Welcome to the Bubblehead Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Eric with my co-host Robert. How you doing today, Robert? I'm doing good. Uh, ready to talk about some uh, exciting uh, topics here. I, I think we're I think we're gonna do we're gonna be pretty different here on our our players. So I'm ready to jump in. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm pumped. Uh, today we're gonna be doing. We're planting the flag, right? We're going to be talking about some NFL players. We're going to be talking about some Debbie players, players that we believe are going to do great, whether it's relative to their ADP or just in general, right? So we're really going to get our quote-unquote players here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, some news today Um you know, so Darren Waller, he is uncertain for week one. Um, you know, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so, right, uh, Darren Waller's been fighting a hamstring injury for two weeks now, you know, for, for most of August. And it really wasn't until the quote coming out of Vegas that he is uncertain for week one. Then that that's what triggered me to say, okay, this could be an issue. Um, Waller has been a superstar at fantasy recently, but last year injuries derailed the season. Um, also he's an older player. So seeing a lingering, uh, soft tissue injury in August definitely has my, you know, my antenna peak or, uh, popped up. I'm worried now, you know, how worried am I? No, he's not going to be irrelevant. He's not, you know, I'm not crops off the list, but he really easily aligns in the George Kittle category for tight ends for me. You know, a player with really good talent that's produced at a elite level prior, but injury is starting to become a big question. So for me, this is definitely pushing Darren Waller down the list in both redraft, dynasty, whatever format you play, because I'm not just not that confident Darren Waller is going to play every game this season. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Um, any other you know big news that you think you want to you want to talk about or? You know? Yeah, the, another injury news that I wanted to mention is Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup was not placed on pup, physically unable to perform. Right? And why is that significant? If you're placed on pup, you have to miss a minimum of four games. So if they don't put him on pup. Right. They're using that roster spot saying we want to reserve the right to play him in one of the first four weeks, which means that there's there. Right. There's a good chance he plays in the first four weeks, um, even if he doesn't. Right. Or maybe he's not fully up to speed. That tells me by at least, you know, week five, instead of us first getting a glance at what Michael Gallup can do in 2022. At that point, it's when I'm going to be really confident to put Michael Gallup on my line now. What can Michael Gallup be? Uh, he's had some moments where he he's uh, he's been an effective fantasy player, but it's this season where I expect the best that we've seen fantasy wise. I think he's the clear uh, number two wide receiver, and you know you can make an argument maybe Dalton Schultz Schultz is the number two receiving weapon in that offense, but I think it's Gallup. I think Gallup's a very talented player. Uh, they gave him real money, real guaranteed money. And they did this before having any idea, you know, how he would recover post ACL. So 
This is a player that has gotten recovered quickly uh, and all signs, you know, are doing well on their recovery. And I think he could be a great sleeper value um, in, in all, all formats of fantasy. I think he's going to push for wide receiver two numbers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Gallup's an interesting option, right? Um, the injury really, you know, it was kind of a concern, but at the same time, like, you know, he was always projected to come back at the at, at least, you know, towards the beginning of the season. So uh, maybe not at the very beginning, but he, he is certainly ahead of schedule right now. So um, the other big news was the Tyron Smith uh, injury out of uh, Dallas, right? Um, Dallas might not have a very good offensive line this year uh, after that injury. They don't really have a good backup. So, you know, what do you what do you place this in terms of like the offense as a whole, in terms of um, how that affects everything? So, this is kind of right. We just talked about Gallup and how great of news this is. Uh, Tyron Smith you know, almost cancels it out. So I'd say it's about a net zero in terms of value for the Dallas offense, you know, especially for Dak Prescott. Um, but Tyron Smith has a player that has played in an elite level. Um, and two years ago, definitely three years ago, a lot of people would put Dallas on a very short list of the best offensive lines in football. I don't think anybody in the know would do that at this point. I certainly would not. I think last year they had an average offensive line, and this year they could go to potentially below average, right? Tyron Smith tore his hamstring. He could miss the entire year, right? They He's ruled out indefinitely at the moment, but a torn hamstring sounds super serious to me. Um, I don't worry about, you know, Dak too much, especially if Gallup, you know, is as healthy as this um, non-pup status makes me think, right? Two good weapons at wide receiver, a very, you know, proven good tight end, and then two good running backs. I, I think their offense in general will be fine. I think Dak will be fine. Um, but their depth is oh, their depth is in trouble, right? If they have any more injuries, look out. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of worried about the Cowboys' offense right now. Um, I think Tyron Smith is an under, like, maybe not underrated, but – he is underrated to how effective he is and or how uh what how important he is to the Cowboys offense, right? I I just think that with Tyrod Smith going out, I think that the entire offense does suffer a pretty good amount. Um, you know, now whether Gallup can make that up is, is another story, but I don't know. I don't think this is, is gonna gonna be a good year for, for Dallas. Um Maybe in fantasy that's not the case, but I, I don't. I just think in in terms of you know actual like NFL performance, I I, I worry that this is not their year. So, uh, any other news though you want to cover before we jump in? No, that's probably good. I mean, you know, there's so many little stories, uh, but we talked about it in the last episode and we stressed a lot. Let's not overreact to news that happens in August unless it's definite, right? A serious injury, torn hamstring, obvious, right? <laughs> we can count on that being serious. Um, yes. So the little things, let them be little. Let's let the season play out, and you know, let's just not overreact, folks. Yeah. Um, so let's just kind of give everybody a little idea of what's coming here. So, you know, we each have our own list of people that we're you know planning our flag on, and, and we're going to kind of explain our position, and then we're going to both react to the to the different uh, persons you know list. Um, so we have college and NFL players. Um, so you know. 
there's going to be plenty of topics about each and each and every one of these players. So, um, but uh, let's go ahead and jump in, Eric. You want to get us started on your quarterbacks? Yeah. So, right. The idea is that we're taking one player from each of these positions, you know, that's in a high tier, you know, what they're thought of, what they're valued as, what they're drafted at, and then one that's in a lower tier. Right. And basically we're picking out um, for me, Lamar Jackson, right. Lamar is QB five right now in startups. Um, He's eighth overall. So, right. Obviously he doesn't have a lot of room to grow in terms of value, but Lamar Jackson is, like how many QBs actually can be the number one scoring fantasy player, you know, the number one scoring uh, quarterback in fantasy. Uh, there's not that many. Um, and I definitely think Lamar Jackson is one of them. We've seen it, right? His MVP season in year two was near historic. It was a, a great year. And one of the reasons I'm so excited about Lamar Jackson, well, there's two actually. One, we if you don't know about the contract situation, every other quarterback basically, in the league, is getting huge deals. Kyler was drafted a year later. Kyler got his deal. Lamar hasn't got his deal. Um, Josh Allen got his deal. Um, really, you know, Lamar and and Josh Allen were the two QBs in that 18 class that, you know, have had success. Like Baker, yes, a little bit. But no, obviously, right, there's not a long-term deal there. So w- what does that mean? He's playing for a lot of money, a lot of money. So I expect, you know, a big year. Um, additionally, I really like what they've done personnel wise, right? They've got just these big, fast players all around him, right? He's had success with Marquise Brown in the past, but I never thought Marquise Brown was a good, like wide receiver quarterback combo with him because he's not super accurate, but he's got a big arm, right? He can throw it deep. Uh, that certainly has been used well, you know, with Marquise Brown's speed, but, I love Rashad Bateman. This is a bigger receiver, can go get the ball, huge wingspan, um, and has good speed too. Then you pair, you know, Mark Andrews. And in case you didn't see, Isaiah likely explode uh, in their last preseason game. I think likely, I think Charlie Kolar, I think Mark Andrews, they're going to, you know, have these big bodied tight ends who are like, how do you defend them? You know, they're going to be in 12 personnel a lot. So you're going to have to guard against the run because Jacob Dobbins is going to have a great year. So you're going to get advantages in the passing game. So I could see Lamar having a great season. I think I'll put it, I'll, I'll say it now. I'm playing my flag. QB two um, season, right? I don't think he can knock off Josh Allen, but I think he's going to be QB two. Uh, so in my redraft rankings, that's where I'd be taking him as QB two. Yeah, so I agree with you about Lamar uh, for the most part. I, I, so Lamar Jackson's in a contract year, so he's going to be throwing the ball a lot, I feel like. You know, he wants to prove that he is a, you know, franchise quarterback. Um, so my issue with Lamar is kind of that, right? I, I want to see him run the ball. Like, that's where he provides the most value in fantasy is him running the ball, right? Uh, you know, I still I think he's probably likely to be in the top five. I don't know about QB2 overall, but, you know, I, I think – I think he'll finish around there. I don't think it's going to be like a far and away difference between QB two and QB five though. So, I mean, you know, um, cause I could easily, I could see Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, you know, Lamar, um, even Patrick Mahomes. I could see all of them, you know, kind of getting in, in that same grouping of players. And um, I think, you know, as long as all of them stay healthy, I think all of them are going to, 
going to, you know, be in that that tier and then be around that that point value. So I don't have much else to say about Lamar. You know, I, I, he's a great player. He's going to be a great fantasy asset. Yeah, one one more thing about Lamar that I glossed over a little bit. J.K. Dobbins is a fantastic running back. J.K. Dobbins is right. Think about that class talent wise. I I don't think that he is anything below a DeAndre Swift, maybe slightly below um, Jonathan Taylor, but even so, not really. I mean, this is a, a phenomenal running back. The comparison from him to um, to who they had last year. That's going to make Lamar's life so much easier. Like they're not going to key in on their, you know, on the passing game nearly as much because their running game should be way more deadly. Um, yeah, I love Lamar. Great, great year coming up. I think. Um, do you want to jump into your, you know, top tier QB uh, flag? Yeah. So Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, I think he is. I think he's primed for a big either a boom or bust fantasy year. Um, so Jalen Hurts, the issue with Jalen Hurts is that he has Gardner Minshew right behind him, right? So if he struggles this year with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, and if he struggles and, and the Eagles struggle, it's very likely he gets replaced, you know, next year. So, you know, I think this is going to be the year where we either say Jalen Hurts is a – a bona fide star at quarterback, uh, like a, a future star, or he's you know a bust. I'm going to say that J- Jalen Hurts is is somebody that is going to be a, a star this year, um, or maybe not a star, but at least above average NFL quarterback. He is going to be a fantasy star, though. I, I think he's going to finish this season as a top five quarterback. Um, specifically, I think he's going to finish number four. So. Um, he has all the weapons in terms of uh, who to throw the ball to this year. You know, there's no excuses like, oh, okay, well, I only, the only person he has to throw the ball to is is Devontae. Like, that's not an excuse anymore. You have A.J. Brown, you know. So, you know, Jalen Hurts, this is the make-or-break year, and I think this is the this is a year where he's going to prove that, you know, he belongs in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if, uh, if I didn't take Lamar as my po- – person to plant my flag with it probably would have been Jalen because I I believe I believe in Jalen um he especially his fantasy right like I don't know I don't think we're gonna see I mean it's possible I was gonna say I don't think I see a Super Bowl you know coming uh with Jalen Hurts but it's possible especially you know if they continue to build you know a good team around Jalen but in fantasy, my God, he missed two games last year, still QB9 overall. He had one bad game. He had whatever it was, like he had 6.8 points. Um, of course, it was against the Giants of all people. But, I mean, he just rattled 20-point games off, you know, like crazy. And he has such a high ceiling. He didn't. For me, the thing is you don't trade for A.J. Brown and give him $100 million over four years unless you want – to throw the ball more. So you have one of the best, I think Dallas Goddard, maybe not fantasy, but talent-wise is, is a top-tier tight end. He's a phenomenal player. Then Devonta Smith, I'm in love with Devonta Smith. I think he's a superstar. Um, I am rated over Jamar Chase, you know, as a rookie. And obviously right now, you know, it doesn't look right, but I, I stand by it. I really think that he's at that level of a player. 
And then, I mean, we've seen what A.G. Brown can do. So, you know, those are three elite pass, passing weapons. I think Jalen is – I think he's going to smash. I'm with you. He's on my list of who could be QB1 overall, you know, this season. Yeah. Um, you want to, so I'll jump into James Winston actually. Um, yeah. so, you know, so James Winston, he is, he had two really good games last year. The issue though, with Jameis, that he's just, he was, he was throwing the ball to Marcus Callaway and Deontay Harris. And really those are the only two people that anybody in the world should even like know their names. Um, you know, so <laughs> and now he's throwing the ball to Jarvis Landry. He's throwing the ball to potentially Michael Thomas and Chris Olave. Right. So um, I, I think Jameis Winston is going to have a big year. I, I Now, that doesn't mean he's going to have a top 10 season in fantasy, I don't think. But I think he could easily get top 12 or top 15 numbers. Um, I have him probably right at, I think he's going to finish right at 14. Um, you know, I think he's going to have a, a great year passing and, and, with uh, passing touchdowns last year, he cut down on the type, the turnovers significantly. He only had, I think it was two picks over the entire year. So, you know, that's obviously that was the big issue with Jameis and, and Tampa was the, the picks, right? So um, we know he can throw the ball. We know he can chuck it and he has weapons now. So, you know, I'm interested to see what Jameis is going to do. And, um, you know, one thing that I do think though, is uh, obviously, the biggest issue with Jameis is that he could have some really bad weeks. Um, and I say that because if the saints are in like a defensive game um, and they're running the ball a lot, you know, then maybe he doesn't get, and he doesn't get a lot of touchdowns. Like maybe they can the ball to Kamara for like three, four touchdowns. Like they seem to do every once in a while, you know, maybe he has a really bad week that week. So, you know, you, you do play, have the issue with that, but I think the saints office is going to be better than expected. Um, and I think Jameis is going to be a, a kind of a big factor in that if he stays healthy. Yeah, you, you said something earlier about, you know, how we're probably going to have a lot of disagreements and, you know, might fight a little bit. I'm not fighting about either of your QBs here, um, right? Where you ha- have to draft Jameis, you know, the cost to acquire, Jameis is so low. Like, I don't see how he's not a value this year. Because like you said, those weapons, I mean – there had to have been 10 college teams that had a better wide receiver room last year than the New Orleans Saints did. I mean, it was a joke. It was an absolute joke. And that's why he had, you know, multiple games with like terrible pass. I think he had like two or three games sub 200 passing yards. Um, And the big thing you pointed out was that he reduces turnovers, right? Everyone remembers the 5,030 and 30 season. And, you know, we like to make jokes about it. Do y'all not remember? This man got LASIK eye surgery on his way to New Orleans. He used to talk how he couldn't see down the field, right? Now, I'm not saying that was the only reason, but pair that with a potential reason. And then he sat behind Drew Brees. He worked with Sean Payton. He is in that scheme learning. And, you know, if you follow beat reporters and you follow the New Orleans Saints, I know you do. Um, but I do as well, seen lots of stuff about Jameis talking about how, you know, being around those great football minds taught him how to be a, a pro, taught him how to be a leader and taught him more about the game. Right. You know, there was this discussion. I remember an interview where he was, you know, he was speaking about how Drew had taught him like, hey, you don't have to win the game every play. And that's what led to 30 interceptions is when Jameis would be like, well, I could make this play. 
Well, yeah, you can. You're the first pick in the NFL draft. You're a Heisman Trophy win. You're a superstar talent, but you don't have to. You can take the check down. Oh, by the way, Alvin Kamara is pretty good at that, if you didn't know, right? I definitely think we're going to see a top 15 season from Jameis. And you're right. We could have some bad games. Maybe he throws a couple of picks, or you're right. Maybe they lean on their run game and the defense more. That's fine. For him to be my second QB, I'm, I'm going to take, you know, I'll take a few games, you know, 15 or less points a game, but he's going to have a lot of, you know, 20 point games and he's going to have a few 30 point games. I think Jameis could win you a lot of championships. Yeah. And people forget too, the Saints were, I think they were either five and two or six and two whenever he went down. I can't remember if it was week seven or week eight, they played the Bucks, but you know, the Saints were a really good team. And and the, the one of those losses too was because of COVID, right? Like they had the entire coaching staff was yeah. out for injury and most of the team and a lot of the players too were out for injury week two or for COVID week two. So, you know, uh, you know, you're talking about a team that could have been five or six and one uh, when he went down with injury potentially. Um, So, you know, and and they got better offensively this year. So, you know, I definitely think uh, Jameis is going to have a good year, but uh, let's jump into Mac Jones. Yeah, so here's the homer pick, right? We, I guess we both have homer picks. I missed that for a second, yeah. <laughs> right? You got your Saints player. I got my Pats player. Uh, Mac Jones, I think, is just so underrated. What he did as a rookie with those weapons on an offense that's highly sophisticated, I don't think anyone's going to say that Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick you know, didn't have a high-level football IQ requirement. And that's part of the reason that he was such a good fit there is he is so smart. You know, he knows the game. He isn't the most talented, but holy crap. He just, you know, and and the way he's changed his body, if you haven't noticed, um, the dude has lost a lot of weight. Everyone remembers the old uh, dad bod frat frat boy uh, picture that came out. He's lost weight. He's, you know, the team is talking about how he's like one of the true leaders in the, in the locker room as a young player. Um, now, I don't expect huge numbers, but what I see is because they also have terrible weapons again. What I'm thinking is he's going to be, you know, a mid-range QB2 in 2022, and they have to improve their weapons. I just don't believe three years in a row they're going to trot out these garbage offensive, you know, receiving weapons for this player. Um, I think in 2023 we're going to see him go into that QB1 range. Yeah, so my issue with uh, you know Mac is has always been the lack of weapons and and honestly now the lack of coach. <laughs> you know, I don't think they've named an offensive coordinator yet, or, or if they even will. Um, so I, I'm torn on Mac Jones. I really like Mac Jones as a prospect uh, and as a player, uh, especially after year one. But I lean towards him being a kind of a bust this year um, in terms of fantasy. Um, and honestly, I kind of feel like the whole the entire New England offense will be a kind of a bust this year. Yeah, I mean, the, it's going to be tough for those players to sneak into your lineups. Now, right, if we're talking best ball, which if you haven't tried best ball, it's a great format. You don't set lineups. All you do is you draft and you trade. And, you know, they optimize whatever uh, best lineup you have based on your roster each week. I think Mac Jones is a better basketball player in 2022, uh, along with most of the weapons you just talked about. But Jacoby Myers and um, Devontae Parker and Hunter Henry, I think, are all going to improve 
Well, Devonta Park wasn't there last year, but Myers and uh, Henry, I think, are going to prove from what happened last year. Mainly because I think Mac Jones is a better player now. He's had another year to develop and you know get coached up. You're right. The coaching thing is kind of messed up. It's actually super messed up. What are we doing, Bill? But I, I, I don't know. I, I'm a homer, I guess. I just believe. I think Mac Jones is going to be a solid QB two. I would much rather be my QB three. You know, in a super flex league where I'm competing this season, but I think that his value is way lower than it should be. And I think there's a good chance he's the number one QB out of the 2021 draft class, you know, in five years. I agree with that. No, I do agree with that. In terms of actual, like, you know, NFL talent, I do think he could, could easily be the number one of the the class. Um but let's jump into some of the college quarterbacks now. Um, so, you know, starting off with uh, Devin Leary for you and Drake May for me. Um, so Drake May was just announced that he won the starting quarterback job at UNC uh, at North Carolina. And um, so I think he's an interesting player to watch. Uh, so we actually get to watch him this weekend. He's going to be one of my watches. Um, and... Uh, so my, th- I I don't think UNC is going to be a great program this year. I don't think they're going to compete for the uh, for the ACC or anything like that. But I think Drake May is going to prove that he's he's a legitimate star. Um, I think he's going to challenge as a uh, easily going to challenge as a first round quarterback in uh, his draft year and um, in twenty twenty four. And uh, I think he's going to be better than Sam Howell. So you know, I think he's going to be either honorable mention for all ACC or at the very least, um, you know, he's going to be a like superstar talent. Um, there's not a lot of great quarterbacks in the, in, in the ACC with uh, DJ, DJU struggling, uh, Sam Hartman uh, missing time with injury. So, you know, we, we could easily see Drake may make the, you know, first team off of all ACC. So, Yeah, uh, huge news, you know, winning that starting starting job for the true sophomore. Um, this is a highly rated recruit. He's got that blue star status. Um, my issue is you pointed out the weapons. Um, what I don't understand, right, in this day and age college football, why aren't they paying, sorry, compensating people for their name, image, and likeness to come and be a skill position uh, transfer for UNC? UNC has done great things in the in the uh, recruiting world in the last few season, uh, cycles. Um, like Charlotte's a big industry, right? They have a lot of money around there in that greater Charlotte Durham area. The huge, you know, alumni base. You're telling me they can't, you know, find some money to bring, you know, a player in. Maybe they don't get a Jordan Addison, but they couldn't get an Isaiah Neor. They couldn't get, you know, some of the, you know, they couldn't get a Tyler Harrow. Um, I don't know. I'm just surprised because I think we're going to have to rely on some unproven players, not only at quarterback, but at wide receivers and running back. So that worries me a little bit. Your Sam Owl comp, right? It's obvious, you know, they're both there. I'm hoping, mainly projecting, that Drake May has the opposite career, right? Sam Howell's best season was as a freshman. His worst season was as a junior in 2021, this past season. And that's why he fell in the draft. Um, Drake May... Is going as he's you know gets into college, all these good recruits that they've been coming in that are freshmen this year and sophomores. I think obviously they're just 
you know, going to get better. So I think 2023, uh, excuse me, you know, looks to be a much better year. But I'm just hoping he looks good. You know, like don't get benched, don't don't stink it up, basically, um, because that's going to make me really excited for this prospect. Um, yeah, I, I like it. He, he's a good flag to be planted. When are we going to fight, huh? Like, I thought you were going to disagree with me about Drake May. No, I well, my big issue with May was I. I wasn't sure he was going to win the job. The fact that he wins the job, he's totally got the opportunity to, you know, use that talent because his talent, you know, in high school was obvious. There was a reason he got the higher recruiting ranking and all that. So he has the opportunity. Let's see what he does with it. If he stinks it up this year, you know, I'll be back on the naysayer club. Yeah. Yeah. So what about Devin Leary? What do you? So Devin Leary, North Carolina State University, will have a better team and a better season than Drake May. North Carolina State, I'm big on North Carolina State this year. They're good. They were good last year. And I think a 10-win season is totally possible. I think they're going to be in the ACC championship game. And if Clemson, you know, is struggling, I think they could knock them, you know, knock them off and, and win the ACC. I'm not projecting that. I assume Clemson will win. You know, talent usually prevails. Uh, but – my issue, my biggest issue with Devin Leary is his size. He's a little smaller, right? He was listed on 24-7 as uh, 6'1 189 pounds. Now, when he, you know, gets his official measurements, that's going to be big for me. You know, is he at least 6'1"? Like, that's kind of – because he's not like a super athletic dude. I want him to be at least 6'1". I'd really like him to be 200 pounds. If he's, you know, below 6'1 and below 200 pounds, I'm going to be a lot more worried. Um but so far, he's had a phenomenal college career, very prolific passer. And I think Devin Leary, right, I'm, I'm snagging him up in like the fourth and fifth rounds of Debbie drafts everywhere because I think he has a very legitimate chance to be a first-round pick. Now, this is my strategy. If I have Devin Leary and he declares for the 2023 draft and people are talking about him as a potential first-round pick, I'm selling that right? Come March. I don't want to have a Sam Howell on my hands. I don't want to have a Desmond Ritter on my hands because I'm not saying, yes, he's going to crush in the NFL. I'm not really that confident, especially because, you know, the size is a little questionable, but he's going to have a great year. Um, and people will be putting him in the first round of, of NFL mock drafts for 2023. So with that hype, you should be able to get a lot of value based off of what you paid or have going to pay right now for a player yeah so the only thing i actually agree with about devin leary is that if he is being talked about as a first round pick to sell him um i don't see any situation where devin leary is a first round pick i don't i don't see him having the arm strength or the you know the arm talent necessary to get drafted that high in the nfl he's a solid you know spread quarterback in college but i don't think he's anything more than that you know, he kind of reminds me of just, you know, your generic, like, spread quarterbacks from years past. He's going to put up a lot of yards. He's going to put up a lot of touchdowns. He's going to score a lot of points. But he does. I don't think he has the the arm talent necessary to make it in the NFL. Just simple as that. Finally, we have a disagreement. So, um, all right, let's jump into running backs. So, uh, Leonard Fournette for you and James Robinson. You want to start us off? Yeah. So Uncle Lenny, um, Uncle Lenny is such a value for a contender. RB twenty one and starts right now. 
uh, 62 overall, right? So that's what? Uh, beginning of the sixth round on average. So you're telling me I could go and grab, you know, a couple quarterbacks, a couple of running backs, and a wider, and, you know, and a good wide receiver. And then I could add Leonard Fournette as my third, you know, for my flex. He was an RB1 last year in 14 games. His points per game were fantastic. He's got. Tom Brady doesn't like rookies. He never has liked rookies, whether it's a receiver or a running back. It's not going to happen with Rashad White this year. I don't believe it. Rashad White's a good player. We both liked him, you know, going into the draft season. But him actually landing in Tampa Bay was a negative for me because Leonard Fournette got real money. Three years, $21 million. That's real freaking money in the NFL for running back. They want Leonard Fournette to be the guy, and he was the guy. He's, I think he's a you know, he's gonna sleep his way to an RB12 finish. He's gonna get the passing volume, he's going to get end zone work. Like, it's a RB21 people. Are you kidding me? You're gonna get two seasons of a very good value with this player. Yeah, so my only issue with Leonard Fournette is actually the offensive line. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have had many, 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 many injuries on the offensive line so far this year, and we're in August, you know, so um, that's worrying to me. Um, the interior offense off the line is completely wrecked right now. Um, I'm worried that he, you know, has a slow start to the season, especially. And so for me, you know, maybe it's a maybe it's time to kind of hold on Leonard Fournette. Um I agree with you though, you know, with when it comes to Tom Brady and, and rookies, but Bruce Arians is the same exact way. So it's not like your the coach is gonna like force them into the lineup because Bruce Arians doesn't like rookies either. So I have no intention of buying Rashard White this year either. So in redraft, Leonard Fournette is a good option. But I I don't know. I'm hesitant on Tampa the Tampa uh, running game at least, because I think that the interior of the offensive line is going to kind of struggle, especially at the beginning of the year. And so they kind of get some reps together. And honestly, the talent really, really isn't there uh, depth wise for the, for the interior of the offensive line. So um, I'm, I'm curious as to how that kind of the offensive line shakes up as they kind of can, can get some reps under them. Yeah, you're, you're right about the offensive line. That is a big concern. Um, and you're also right. We have a new coach, so we don't exactly know how that'll factor in, but honestly, I'm pretty sure Tom Brady's going to get what Tom Brady wants. I'm not too worried about, you know, that not happening. I mean, the, the man took off what, two weeks to go do the mass singer, right? That's the, the fun rumor. Um, you know, in August, he just took time off and it was like, okay, yeah, go for it, Tom, you know, have a great time. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of wonder if Brady's like full in. I, I messed up there though. I completely forgot that Bruce Arians retired for for a minute. Uh, it's Todd Bowles now, so who knows what Todd Bowles wants to do with with you know rookies? But um, I mean, yeah, I still think Leonard Fournette's kind of the bell cow here. But see, you're right. The running game might not be there, but like he wasn't some great rusher last year. Like, yes, he he was good in the end zone. He got eight rushing touchdowns. He only had 811 rushing yards last year. His value is as a passer. He had 69 catches, 454 yards, and he tacked on another two receiving touchdowns. That's where his value is. And you're telling me that they have bad offensive line play. Uh, that screams Tom Brady screens to Leonard Fournette all day long. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 
So let's move on to the next one on the list. So I think we could move, um, lump these two guys together, James Robinson and Travis Etienne. Um, so <laughs> I don't know what your thoughts about James Robinson are. I kind of think we're going to disagree here maybe, but Travis Etienne I think is going to be the biggest bust in the NFL this year. Whoa. Okay. All right. Taking the gloves off. I th- yeah, I don't even think it's going to be close. I think he's going to be the biggest bust by like a, a huge margin. Wow. So then you must love my James Robinson take then. Yes. So you're planting your flag on Travis Etienne in the negative manner. Yes. Damn. Wow. Okay. All right. Not only are you just going to fade him, you're going to put your, you know, you're doubling down saying, I guarantee it. Okay. Yeah. I, I, what I see with Travis at the end is somebody who they want to use in the passing game, but showed zero ability to be used in the passing game out of Clemson has shown little improvement in the preseason and in general needs to be used in space. But realistically, if you're not used in the passing game in the NFL, you're not going to create that much space. Uh, he's kind of an outside zone runner, but he's, but honestly, that's not really what Jacksonville wants. Um, I think James Robinson, if he comes back fully healthy, is going to be far and away the starting running back in Jacksonville again. I think he's going to get the first and second down work. And then I think if Travis Etienne even starts slow, you know, I think he he will completely take over even the, some of the passing work. Um, you know, Travis Etienne, I think they're going to try their best to get him work in the passing game and kind of get him in space. But unless Travis Etienne's in space, I don't have anything any interest in him. Yeah, I mean, ETN obviously is a first-round pick, but he missed his entire rookie season. Um, because of that, you know, he's going to get a lot of opportunity, especially right out the gate because I think they're going to want to ease Robinson in. And he may not even, you know, suit up week one. Um, my reason for, you know, being so high on Robinson, is it, you know, that I hate Travis ETN? It's that he's going as RB44. RB44 for a player that only two years ago was a top, you know, finisher at running back in fantasy um, and all signs of that his recovery are going well. And now I don't hate Travis Etienne the way you do apparently, but I agree. Like, yes, he did rack up a lot of receptions in college, but that was a lot more because of the one, the, you know, just the volume he was receiving Two, the fact that the ACC sucks outside of, you know, a handful of teams, really more a couple of teams. Um, and, you know, he is dynamic. He's very good. So playing against inferior competition, he's going to be able to gloss over his his issues. His issue to me, by far and away, is vision. I never liked his vision. I always thought his vision was very suspect. Now, you give the dude open room, a window, boom, like he's gone. He's electric. He's, he's a track star. Yeah, but I just one their team should be overmatched talent-wise most of the time. So, like, I don't just expect their offensive line to just be, like, making these, you know, craters in the defensive line for him to run through. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not, like, all the way off ETN the way you are, but I think that we're going to see a split. You know, James Robinson does not need a lot of work to be a super, you know, a good value. And if you're right, you know, about ETN, then James Robinson's probably the, like, the fantasy uh, MVP in terms of, like, the most value based off of, you know, what you had to put in to acquire Robinson. Yeah. So just to explain what I mean by like, he's going to be a bust. Like I, I don't see him being the starter. 
You know, like when you draft, because Etienne's going in the fourth or fifth round in most drafts, you know, so if you're drafting him that high, you expect him to get at least majority of the work. I don't think he's getting majority of the work after James Robinson comes back. I don't think he gets more than like 30 or 40 percent. Wow. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be more of a split, honestly, you know, as a flag planter for James Robinson, I was hoping that Robinson would get 40 percent of the work. Are you telling me he's going to get more than 50 Oh my God, he's going to be an RB too. You know, like I'm going to be able to start in my lineups every week if that's the case. Yeah. So just to kind of jump into Alvin Kamara a little bit, right? So Alvin Kamara is getting drafted in the second round. I got him in, I, I just did a redraft league. I got him in the second round at the tail end of the second round, actually. Um, Alvin Kamara, other than the games he missed with injury and the games that he had Ian Book throwing to him, uh, well, and Trevor Simeon, because Trevor Simeon's also terrible. But other than those games, um, he actually played very well with Jameis Winston and, and Taysom Hill. So, you know, why are we fading Alvin Kamara? It was because of the suspension, but that's been said many times that it's not happening. So bump him back up your board. Put him in the top of the first round. Yeah, I mean, the only reason was the suspension. Like some people mentioned, oh, Drew Brees and, you know, Sean Payton. I don't care. It's one of the best fantasy running backs ever. Ever. He missed games last year, and you we've talked at length about you know the issues injury-wise, QB-wise, New Orleans had last year, and he still was an RB1. Like he's he's just way too good to not be an RB1. He's a super like you want to talk about short list? He is on a short list to finish as the overall RB1 this year. Now in Dynasty, I'm a little worried because it sounds like 2023 is very likely that he's going to see a suspension. But in 2022, so if we're talking redraft, or especially if you're a contender, he's going to smash. Like, his value is there, and I'm all about it. Um, I'm a little sad that, you know, we're matching with nearly all of these, uh, but I can't say a good enough good things about Alvin Kamara. I, once all that stuff came out post-Pro Bowl, I just flew, threw out offers. 110 in 2022 draft, I turned it to Alvin Kamara. Like, and people are looking at me like, you're crazy. You're giving a first. Like, yes. Yes, of course I am. <laughs> you know, like it's Alpha fucking Kamara people. He's that good. We just talked about how the offensive weapons are way better. And I'm not worried about this. Jameis doesn't throw check the ball down. thing. He is way too good to not get, you know, I mean, his first three years, 81, 81, 81 receptions. Yes, that was a Drew Brees. Yes, that was with Drew Brees with a, you know, weaker arm towards the end of career. But I don't see a world if he's healthy, where he doesn't get, you know, four catches a game. That's 68 catches in a 17 game uh, game season. Yeah. So, yeah, so let's move on to college running backs. So, you know, you got Donovan Edwards. Um, I have Audrey Castine. Um, So I'll kind of jump in about Audrey Castine a little bit. So Notre Dame running back. Uh, Notre Dame's had a few injuries of running back here this year, but uh, Audrey Castine, he's kind of a bigger back. He was a big producer in high school, though, and um, – I think he's going to be the guy there, you know, this year. Um, you know, I think he's the next big thing with, with Notre Dame running backs. I wouldn't be surprised if he is a, you know, day two pick in the NFL draft at a Notre Dame in, in a couple years. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I got to say, I, I'm leaning towards Chris Tyree being the starter, but you're right that, you know, with Kyron Williams moving on, there's a big question mark. Like, basically, who cares what the, the depth chart says right now by October, 
that's irrelevant. Like if Audric Esteem outplays him, which he's going to certainly get some touches and the opportunity, it would be his job. So, um, you know, this is definitely a, a lower, lower, you know, tier player. Like you don't have to invest significant draft capital or trade, you know, value to get Audric Esteem. But um, you're right. The, the room for growth is great. I mean, especially we just talked about Avery went down with the ACL, so they're gonna they're gonna be a run heavy team as normal. They got a good offensive line, um, and the, right Notre Dame, they're number five in the AP poll. You know they're gonna be on a big stage. I, lo- I like the pick. So what about Donovan Edwards? What do you think about him? I mean, Donovan Edwards, like we're talking about completely different classes of players. Donovan Edwards, you know, is a top four round. Um, I mean, it's probably higher. I'm being conservative. At least a top four round pick in the C2C and Debbie world. He's probably more like a top three round pick. Um, super high rated recruit. This was the fourth uh, running back out of the uh, 2021 high school class, eligible for 2024 um, NFL draft. Um, got good size. He's 5'11", 190 out of high school. At least we're going off of what we have because we all know those numbers can be fudged. But if he has that size, right, that to me sounds like a player that's going to be, you know, 5'11", 205, 5'11", 210 by the time, you know, he has three years in a college weight program. Um, very good passer, very dynamic. And behind, you know, Hassan Haskins and Blake Horn last year, who were kind of rock stars at the, you know, Big Ten level, he still showed out as a true freshman, which um, Harbaugh is not a big fan of freshmen. Like, he was playing um, – Jesus, what the heck's a QB ahead of – he was playing the um, McNamara ahead of J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy's five-star superstar talent. Like, you know, he he stays away from the freshman is my point, and he still showed out, you know, when he had two good running backs ahead of him. Um, obviously, we know Michigan, you know, they made a big step last year. I think they're going to be good. I'm not talking college football playoffs good, but they're still going to be good. Got a good O-line. Donovan Edwards, I think, is going to, you know, supersede Blake Corum as the starting running back, and then Corum will be the the spellback, kind of the way he was for Hassan Askins last year. Um, Donovan Edwards is, like, I mean, how high is his ceiling? That's really my question. Where, Like, what is his ceiling, in your opinion? So the reports out of uh, Michigan camp has been that he's a better receiver than most of the receivers on the roster. So what does that tell me? The ceiling is like number one overall fantasy potential. Like that's his NFL potential is number one overall. Yeah. I would yeah. give him a first round pick. I'd take him in the first round. Like you're saying, I would take him in the top three. I'm taking the first round. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you can overpay to go get Donovan Edwards. Like I'm not quite, he's not on the um, Trevion Henderson and uh, Braylon Allen tier for me. But he is right there. Um, you know, we recently did our our rookie, uh, excuse me, um, our Debbie running back rankings, and out of the 2024 class, I had him and Will, and, uh, and Will Shipley right there as RB three and four for um, for the 2024 class. I mean, whew, you know, I love this player. Their their ceiling is so high. And with that recruiting profile and what we've already seen, I think we're going to see day two draft capital in the NFL 
like that's kind of like the floor. Like I think we're going to see at least a third round draft pick with the potential of being a high second or, you know, maybe even first, but we all know that that doesn't happen that often, even for the better backs now. Yeah. So uh, do you have anything else about college running backs? You want to jump into wide receivers? Yeah, let's go ahead. Yeah. So uh, why don't you start us off here again with uh, yours? So uh, you might have suspected this, but Michael Pittman is who I'm planning my flag on for a wide receiver. I am in love with Michael Pittman. He's wide receiver 14 overall, you know, in startups. It's a player that has great size, has good speed, and just has the best quarterback, just added the best quarterback he's ever played with, right? The jump he made from year one to two was huge. I think he can make a similar jump from two to three. I would not be surprised if in one year we're all talking about Michael Pittman as a top five dynasty wide receiver. I would not be surprised at all. Yes, yeah, so you stole both of my values here with Pittman and Cooks. Um, I, yeah, I don't have anything to say. They're both like they both have amazing situations. Um, they're both the only legitimate receiver on the team. So, you know, um, for me though, DJ Shark and Devontae Smith, you know, those are my kind of my two. I think obviously DJ Shark is a completely separate tier for me. All these other th- players on the screen, right? But my thing with DJ Shark is I think people forget how good he was when he was in the Jacksonville before the injury. Um, you know, he I don't think he played at all last year. I, I think he got hurt in the preseason, if I remember right. And um, my thing with, with Shark is, right, he's more of a deep threat. But I think he's a good player that is on a prove-it deal, and I think he's going to look to prove himself. I think he's going to get a wide receiver three season at a minimum um, and he's basically free right now. You know, you can get him in the 15th, 16th round of a redraft league and just stash him and just say, well, maybe he works out, maybe he doesn't. And it's like basically nothing. It doesn't matter at all um, at that value. So for me, I think he's the best sleeper prospect you can get out there because he he's proven he's he's been successful in the past. He's a young player. It's not like he's like completely fallen off the rocks. Um, I if, Unless you're concerned about the injury, there's no reason to go pick him up. Yeah, I like to pick. Um, I think he is, you're right, like at value, it's hard to beat because he's basically free. Um, just unless I'm in a best ball league, I'm just, I don't think it likely that I'm going to be happy to put DJ Shark in my lineup. It'd be one thing if they had a good, you know, a very good QB. Jared Goff is a lot better than I think we give him credit for, but I don't think he's a great QB. Additionally, I love him, Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, you know, especially as an NFL player, not as much at fantasy where the value is at, but uh, Amon Ra and TJ Huxton, I think, are two of the better players at their position in the league. They're very good. And then, you know, Jamison Williams was drafted to play the role that that DJ is going to play until he's healthy. And the contract situation, you know, also it's like, well, what are you going to get? But you're right. Value-wise, he's good. I think basketball is probably better because he's going to have games where he catches a 50-yard touchdown. He's going to have, you know, games where he has a couple of 30, 40 yard catches. Um, I just think it's going to be very up and down. And that's what's hard to, you know, deal with for a lower, you know, a lower player in your lineup. Leagues. Yeah. So for my thing for DJ is, you know, I think that's a good season for him, for the, for the Lions to just red shirt Jameson Williams. I don't think there's any reason for them to rush him back from injury this year, you know, I wouldn't play him at all, regardless of if he says he's healthy in January or, or December. 
you know, I'm not playing them. So that's my thing with Jamison. And I think they just play out DJ Sharp for the rest of the year. And um, for Devontae, you know, jumping into him, he's the number two behind, uh, you know, AJ Brown. And we already talked about J- uh, Jalen Hurts. I think Devontae Smith is going to have a good year. Uh, at least, you know, I think he's going to be a wide receiver too. And, you know, I think there's some value there. Yeah, I mean, I already let the cat out of the bag for those that didn't already know. I had Devonta Smith as my number one wide receiver in the 2021 draft class for fantasy, for football. I did. And I, I like, I'm not backing off that much from that. Like, yes, if I'm re-ranking them now, I'm going to put Jamar over them. But, and I'll, what? Do you put Waddle? Actually, that's a good question. I'm really thought about it for a while. Waddle or Devonta Smith? Who do you want in fantasy? I'd probably go with Waddle. I'm sticking to my guns with Devonta Smith. I'm gonna in, do redra- in redraft, I'd say Waddle. Um, redraft, yeah, I'll go Waddle. But Dynasty, give me Devonta Smith. I like the player more, first of all, the most important thing. And I don't think two is much better, if at all, than Jalen Hurts. So, yeah. you know, like that doesn't necessarily, you know, I'm not like excited about the QB position relatively. Um, and AJ Brown is, yeah, he's great and all, but like Tyreek Hill is just as good. You know, it's just not like Waddle's going to become the wide receiver one. Devonta Smith reminds me of the Antonio Brown, Juju Smith Schuster situation. Devonta Smith's probably going to be better in fantasy now with AJ Brown because he's not going to be against the best coverage. Last year, they said, okay, we need to stop Devonta Smith and Dallas Gard. That's it. That's it. Their second wide receiver was garbage. Okay, now you have A.J. Brown, you know, on one end, Devonta on the other, and then you have Dallas over the middle. Like, all three of them help are helped by the fact that you brought in, you know, that other superstar. So I think Devonta is going to feast on the second cornerbacks of teams. And, you know, because of that, he's – like he's gonna, he was the – set the rookie uh, receiving record, you know, like – it's not like he didn't do well. It's just we put these unreasonable expectations because um, JJ and Jamar came out in back-to-back years. They're like, well, if you don't have 1,200 you know, receiving yards as a rookie, you suck. You know, No, that's just not how well, The funny thing is about both of those players, right, is both of them had legitimately other weapons around them to prevent safety help over the top. That's a really good point. So Adam Thielen was JJ's safety help. Like. Yeah. People would shade to AJ Thielen more because um, he was the more dangerous threat that year, uh, at least in the eyes of you know NFL coaches. Um, and then Jamar Chase, right? He had T. Higgins, he had Tyler Boyd, so you can't put safety help over the top, uh, yeah. you know, and at least at least not without you know helping those guys get open. Which it's a really good point. So. Now, that's my thing about the about the wide receivers. So um, I, you know, I think it's it's tough to it, it takes it's an adjustment process to play in a wide receiver at the NFL level. So yeah, but uh, let's jump into some of the college guys. So hold again, on, I'm hold st- on. oh, you got something well, else? All right. Yeah, let me get some Brandon Cooks love in here, man. Jeez, now <laughs> we're gonna really fight. I kid, of course, but no, right? So Brandon Cooks. Um, what more can you say about a player as like a professional, you know, like the, you know, say how good of a pro he is four teams, five quarterbacks, 5,000 yard 
five 1,000 yard seasons. Like he, yes, he did it with Brady and did it with Breeze, but he also did it with Jared Goff, and he also did it with well, and he also did it with Sean Watson, right? Those are three good ones. But he also did it with Goff, and he also did it with uh, Davis Mills slash Tyrod Taylor. I believe in Davis Mills. I think Brandon Cooks is going to have a better year than he did last year. And I think Nico Collins is an interesting number two because we were just talking about how important it is to have you know someone to take targets away from you. Nico Collins is one of my breakouts, right? Like he could have been this player instead of you know Brandon Cooks for me if I was going for someone on that DJ Shark level. Um, but Brandon Cooks, he's still young. He's still 28. Like he's in his prime, you know. I think you're going to have one, two, maybe three years of very legitimate fantasy um, numbers. And if Davis Mills takes that step, which I believe he can, this is the number one recruiting recruited quarterback out of his high school class, Dave, uh, Brandon Cooks could be a wide receiver one again. Uh, it's a longer shot, but I think he's going to have very good value. Yeah, I, lo- I like Brandon Cooks a lot. I've been saying that all offseason, so I don't have anything else to say about Cooks. Uh, anything else you want to cover with them? Or- no, no, no. Now we can go ahead. Now that I got to say my piece. All right. So Malik Neighbors and Deshaun Stribling. So I would argue that probably very, very few people know who Deshaun Stribling is. Um, and but I'll let you go first and kind of you know talk about Malik Neighbors, and then I'll kind of talk about Deshaun Stribling a little bit. Yeah. So Malik Neighbors, um, you know, not as you know. Not as good of a diamond in the rough as you came up with with Stribling, but a lot of people aren't really on Neighbors. A lot of people don't know about Neighbors unless they're you know deep in the Debbie and C2C world. So everyone knows Keishon Butte though, right? Superstar, amazing talent. Well, Butte missed most of the year last year, and Malik Neighbors on a dysfunctional, like super toxic LSU team was probably their best offensive weapon. Like he he looked very good as a true freshman. Um, this is a player that has a good chance like him and Kute, they make up they make up about as good as a wide receiver room in the country. And I think neighbors is getting slept on. You can get them super late in drafts. Um like just a value. Go trade for him before he blows up in 2022. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um you know he's gonna get a lot of open looks with with Booty there. So um so go ahead let's just go ahead and jump into Deshaun Stribling. So I'm gonna shock you here. Buckle up. Uh, the Sean Shribling is going to be on the Boletnikov short list. Uh, top five, Boletnikov. Uh, the Sean Shribling is plays for Washington State. He has a freshman, true freshman out of Hawaii. So if you don't know, um, so last year we did, or last week we did a, a topic of high school production. I looked up all of uh, Deshaun Shribling's stats from, from Hawaii from his high school year, he actually scored better than in, or in the same tier as all three of the ones who had a hundred percent hit rate coming out of college. He was in the top tier. Um, yes, he played for played in Hawaii, so you can absolutely argue competition level there. And then he comes in as a true freshman, and he has uh, over forty receptions and over I think it was about I think it was like four hundred fifty yards, um, and uh, he had a few touchdowns. True freshmen don't play in college as true freshmen as wide receivers. That's, that's just not a thing that happens often. Um, and so for him to come in and, and, and take the lead on the job 
in Washington State, which is a run is a great uh, air raid offense. They have an upgraded quarterback with Cameron Ward. Deshaun's dribbling. I think he will be a day two pick in the NFL. And I think he has potential to, to go into the first round if he continues to explode like I think he will. Um, I think his best case scenario is a bottom uh, lit, bottom of the list of the, you know, the Bletnikoff uh, like people uh, on the short list. Um, and I think it's very likely that he's either uh, second team all pack 12 or first team all pack 12. The only thing that I think could maybe kind of unseat him is Jordan Addison. Wow. Wow. Now that is planning your flag right there, folks. Um, I gotta say, I don't hate it. Like, yes, it's, you know, a bit of a hot take. Like we're planning our flags here, folks, but like, this is a talented player. Like you said, as a true freshman had the numbers, right? He's six, two, two Oh two. He's got the size. He showed off as a freshman, and the other part is you kind of glossed over. I love Cameron Ward. Like, I think he's another super deep sleeper. Um, he, you know, he, he was on a list of three players for me to be my plant, your flag, at the Debbie level. Um, you know what, honestly, as you were talking about this, Polinishkov uh, finalist, Tell me this doesn't sound like a transfer candidate to get, you know, big money in the NIL world for his true junior season, you know, a la Jordan Addison, right? I love this pick. I mean, honestly, I'm pissed that you found it before me. It's a great, you know, it's a great diamond in the rough. And like you said last last week, we talked about this. He checks that box and a check plus plus for our projections, you know, based off of high school production. So, you know, hats off to you. I think you have the best, uh, best flag planted today. Yeah. So I don't know. You have anything else about either of these two guys or. No, I mean, that's it. You know, mic drop, Sean's dribbling. Boom. All right. So tight ends. Uh, so, I mean, we pretty much have the top three of the top five guys on here and then Cole Komet. So um, I'll, I'll kind of let you have the floor, kind of talk about the, the year two, and then we'll talk about mine. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it a little bit with Darren Waller with this injury and older player. He's definitely not my top five anymore. Um, like, right. This is a higher tier, lower tier. I think Darren Waller being in a lower tier for this is a right, you know, is more appropriate. Um but anyways, right, for my guys, TJ Hawkson, I think is a supremely talented player. He showed off last year before he got injured that he could produce an elite level. Um, the year before he was tight end five, like, I don't understand what's not to love. I mean, he's going in drafts as tight end six in the beginning of the sixth round in a super flex or a tight end premium super flex league. Like, are you kidding? Like. He, he's a superstar, in my opinion. He's tight end three in my dynasty rankings. I have him just above Kelsey. Like, Yeah, so the thing about Hawkinson is he actually is helped by Alman Ross St. Brown's breakout and DJ Shark's signing. The fact that the thing is with, with Hawkinson is whenever he was at the, begin, at the beginning of the season last year, he was getting the entirety of coverage. That's what Kelsey has to do next year, right? Kelsey's going to get the linebacker, the safety, and honestly, he might get triple teamed. It, you know, and that was what that was happening to TJ Hawkinson last year. You know, he was getting all the all the attention. 
you know, uh, they were bracketing him. So what I'm thinking about what, what happens with TJ with, uh, you know, the weapons that they have now, at least, you know, the improved weapons that they have, I think TJ is, you know, a legitimate top three tight end again, like you, like you said, right. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's only a good, only going to go up for him. So, yeah. Um, but moving on to Mark Andrews, right. So Mark Andrews, he was tight in one last year, but let's just put pump the brakes a little bit on Mark Andrews. The reason, one of the reasons Mark Andrews had so good of a year as he did is because um, Huntley checked the ball down way more than Mar- Lamar Jackson. And and guess what? Tyler Huntley's shown that in the preseason with Isaiah Likely. Yeah. So I think you can kind of pump the brakes a little bit on on Mark Andrews. Yes, he's still in the top five, but I'd say he's probably a little bit closer to the little the bottom tier of that than he is the top tier. Um, he's still a fantastic option, but I think it's a little bit too much. So you're planting your flag in a negative way again, right? Yeah. Wow. I I just can't get on board with Mark Andrews. Hey, I'm sorry. I'll fight you. Fight, fight, fight. Um, I mean, yes, last year was amazing, and I don't expect him to continue that last year. Um, but – Travis Kelsey, what Travis Kelsey did for all these years, it's going to eventually stop. I don't think it happened that happens at 22, but eventually it will, right? Um, and without Kelsey in the picture, really, like what we consider elite tight end production is very different. And I expect Mark Andrews to be very much a definer of what elite tight end production is in the post Kelsey world. Um, I think he's likely to be producing him in pits and probably Hawkinson. See, I don't think I, right. He's tied in three for me. I got pits and then Andrews in my rankings, but I think Mark Andrews is going to be there. I mean, yeah, Huntley was a little more, but it wasn't like he wasn't still killing it with Lamar. Like he was still doing absolute great work. So yeah, I, I got to defend Mark Andrews. He's still, you know, so top just, of the top. I mean, I'm not saying he's at the bottom, what I'm saying is I have Pitts. I think Pitts is going to have the best season. And then I think Kelsey has the number two season because he's the, the really the only legitimate threat. And he has uh, plenty of chemistry with Mahomes. And then I have three. I have Hawkinson. And then I have four, Mark Andrews. And then five, Darren Waller. So I think you could flip Hawkinson and Mark Andrews. Uh, and, and I wouldn't argue with you. But, you know, I th- my thing is... With my mo, I mean, I should, probably should have put Pitts on here. I think Pitts is the number one option, and I don't even think it's close. But, um, but going to Darren Waller, the reason I actually bumped Aaron Waller down was, you know, the injury passed. Um, but I'm kind of torn on Darren Waller, Waller a little bit, right? I think if he comes back from the injury, fine, he's going to be a legitimate option. But the thing is, is does he play for the full 17? And we talked about that a little bit before, so. Yeah, Waller, I'm concerned about longevity is my biggest issue. I, I would not be surprised at all if he goes and has an enormous season in 2022. But, like, you know, he was a wide receiver converted to a tight end. And really, honestly, how many tight ends are producing, you know, an elite level over 30? Yes, I'm projecting Kelsey to do that. But the more elite you are as an as an NFL tight end career-wise, the more likely, and as shown in history – for you to have elite seasons late, a la Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, um, 
Jason Witten. Like, if you are racking in Pro Bowl and All Pro honors year after year as a tight end, you you know you can track it, and we'll put this at, that out you know more overtly. Um, but those tight ends are way more commonly scoring fantasy points at elite level later in their careers. So that, you know that's why I give the nod to Kelsey. Whereas Waller, it's like, well, he's you know really new to this, but he's already old. He's having injury concerns. I'm worried about it. Yeah, I don't have anything else about the my tight ends. Uh, do you want to jump into Cole Komet? Yeah, I mean Cole Komet. This is a player that I really like. He comes out of a you know one of the known tight end production factories of Notre Dame, and last year in an abysmal offense. He was still a solid tight end with no touchdowns. Somehow he got no touchdowns. It was a fluke. He had the seventh most targets in the NFL at the tight end position. There's just no way he's not going to build on last season. There's no way he's going to continue not getting in the red zone. Cole Komet is going as tight end 12. He's going in the 11th round of tight end premium leagues. He is such a value to me. Now, do I expect Cole Komet to, you know, be a tight end five this year? No, probably not. But for a younger player that in year three, I expect to make a pretty good jump. And, you know, even if Justin Fields doesn't work out, I don't see how he's not going to be better than he was as a rookie. Like, I think Cole Komet this time next year, we're going to be talking as, you know, the way we talked about Dallas Gardner there for, you know, a couple of years ago, the way we talked about – not Pitts, but um, TJ Hawkinson, you know, a year ago, like he's going to be that new next thing. He's going to be the new sweet hotness. Like go grab Cole Komet now. He's still very cheap. And in a year from now, you're going to be thanking me so much. The issue with Cole Komet is the offense. The offense is terrible. Or at least is projected to be terrible. I agree. But like, are you in on Darno Mooney? I like both these guys. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen bad offenses po- produce very good to elite, you know, fantasy production in the past plenty of times. So that doesn't worry me too much. And it's a tight end, right? So I was just saying, as a, as a way to, you know, kind of be the devil's advocate here, I think Cole Clement, you know, in terms of if you're going to be worried about him, you have to be worried about the offense. Um, but the thing is, Tight ends are reliable. So if he's getting, you know, if he's even getting, you know, top seven targets and he's the number two option in this offense, and I don't think it's even close. Yeah. So um, I don't, you know, I don't see, you know, what to, what to like about, what not to like about Cole Clement. Yeah. He's going to get the work. He's going to get the targets. And if he and Justin Fields make a bit of a step, like he could, he could shock the world. Like he could, be in that second tier because usually there's like one, two, maybe three tight ends at the top that are just super producers. But then there's always like three or four that are like a ways below, but then like they have their own gap from the third tier. Like he could get into that second tier where that's a big value, you know, on half of the players in the, in your leagues, that's, you know, not that much of a hit against the people with those super elite tight ends. So Yeah. I don't know. We, I could keep going on for days about Cole Komet. <laughs> I haven't said enough good things about him this offseason. Um, so I just had to like really draw this one out. 
Yeah, so uh, we have a question in the chat for us about uh, Daryl Henderson or Brian Robinson. Who are your what are your thoughts there? Which one would you take uh, at the same ADP? So honestly, I don't care what format. I'm going Daryl Henderson. Um, I'm not even going to try and say it. I'm I'm a QT poet. Hey, thanks for the question. Really appreciate it. Um, but really, this comes down to. Me, I don't like Brian Robinson like as a prospect. We both weren't big fans. Um, obviously, everyone knows about Antonio Gibson, and that is going to give Robinson a, the opportunity. But Daryl Henderson, we've already heard that they're going to get carries. Like, there, it's not going to be just a Cam Akers show. And you want to talk about who would be an elite handcuff if Akers cannot get over this injury or, you know, gets injured again? All of a sudden, Daryl Henderson could be – a legit RB1, like I don't expect that, but I think you're going to get weekly um, information or sorry, weekly production at a flex level uh, with the opportunity to really crush. I just, I don't know, I don't believe in B Rob. What about you? Yeah, so I I think the, all, the, all the Antonio Gibson is, uh, stuff is just noise. I think it's training camp noise. Um, I have Daryl Henderson, and I don't really have I don't have Brian Robinson really in, in a in a tier at all. I, I I think he's he's a backup, and I think he's a handcuff uh, to Antonio Gibson, um, and that could be a, de- a decent you know uh, decent stash. Uh, you know, Antonio Gibson's had uh, issues with injuries, but you know I think Daryl Henderson's your 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 option there. So, uh, but let's let's kind of jump into some of the college tight ends. So hey. Uh, Jatavion Sanders and Michael Trigg are the two college tight ends. Um, so we'll kind of jump into uh, Jatavion Sanders first here. You want to start us off? Yeah. So, I mean, this kind of is revealing about the landscape of tight ends at the college level. Like, yeah, Michael Trigg. I love Michael Trigg too, but I was trying to go for someone that wasn't you know, the rage of the Debbie community already, right? Jatavion Sanders basically didn't play at all as a true freshman last year. Um, this is all upside. Number one athlete out of their recruiting class out of high school, super athletic, um, right? Everyone's jumping on that Texas train, so let me do it too. Uh, he's basically free in C2C leagues. So, yeah, I mean, I and plus I'm a known hater of uh, Julio Billingsley, so – you know, give me the the high upside athlete of Sanders. Yeah, I, I don't have much about Trigg, really. Um, you know, I, I think Sanders with Billingsley, the question marks there, I, I think Sanders is a really good pickup. And Trigg, you know, it, it's just hype, right? There's hype all throughout training camp for – or uh, fall camp for uh, from the Ole Miss tight end. So – but honestly, for this, for the tight college tight ends, I – I think we, we've said it before. I don't really have too terrible interest in, in Debbie tight ends. Uh, I'd rather, you know, kind of wait for the NFL draft and kind of pick them up then and kind of stuff like that um, or trade for tight ends. But, um, you know, that's just kind of my process there. But uh, do you have anything else about you want to talk about for the episode or? Yeah, just for Trig. I mean, I just want to say there there's a reason for the hype and it, it's legit. This is a very good athlete. Um, they also got very little action, definitely more than Sanders as a freshman when they were at USC. But they went over with Jackson Dart for a reason. Uh, they went to a team. I mean, I think Ole Miss is, you know, 
they were a good team. They won 10 games last year, like in the freaking SEC West. Like, like I think Ole Miss is going to be a better football team than USC this year. You know, I'll say it. Um, and I think Dart's a good player. He's got a very high ceiling. Um, so the issue is just what the cost, like he is getting really hyped up. So, you know, beware, but Hey, if you're in a CTC league, I think he's going to produce very well. And with his athleticism, he should maintain his value, you know, up through the NFL combine and all of that. So yeah, yeah. I like it. All right. Well, do you have anything else you want to talk about today or. Well, that's really all we had. Um, it was great. We got, you know, some good comments and uh, questions from our, our viewers. Thank you for that. We really appreciate it. Um, you know, what we should do is, is I think try and make a little, you know, room for those questions every episode if we can. So please um, get at us, you know, DM, tweet, whatever. Um, you can see our handles just below. Um, we'd love to hear what you, you know, have to think about our thoughts, what you're interested in hearing us talk about. Um, thank you. Please like, subscribe, share, tweet. Yeah, I did want to say we got a, some comment from a Huskers fan in the uh, comments, and I, you know, he's saying he wants to, he thinks that they're going to win the uh, national championship. I don't know about that, but uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I uh, would hope that they. Uh, honestly, I, I don't even think they're going to compete for the Pac-12, but we'll see. I, I would have liked for them to have started uh, Huard if they're going to, you know, try to compete long term. But clearly, he wasn't ready, so. Yeah, go Huskers. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And, uh, you know, uh, let us know what you think in the comments. And uh, give us a like and subscribe. And thanks for listening, guys. Thank you.